This is the woman behind the business, featuring honest dialogue that advances and inspires women That's entrepreneurs. The woman behind the business. Here's your host, Building a business Angel with your partner. Livis. You know me, I'm your host, Angel Livis, and today we're excited to have a lady who manages benefits from one of the largest law firms in the country. Now, you know we'll talk about her journey, but to be honest, we're most interested in learning about how she morphed into the entertainment industry alongside her best friend, companion, and husband, Stan Long. Our guest is Terry Long, the COO and host of Spotlight Over the City, a television and live radio broadcast program that focuses on spotlighting amazing people and things in entertainment, community-based events, nonprofit organizations, authors, filmmakers, entrepreneurs, and many, many more. Welcome to the show, Terry. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Yay! Yay. And this was so last minute, so thank you so much for being (laughs) like, you know what? I'm going to show up. I'm going to be there. I appreciate that. I am so happy to be here, and anything you ask, (laughs) I will try to do it. Now, you know that we've never dedicated an entire show to working alongside a partner. That's just not something that we've done. We always focus on the woman behind the business and all of the many things that we go through as women entrepreneurs. So I want to know, um, specifically for Terry, or actually I want you to know that I was especially excited when you accepted our invitation to be on the show because there are so many women who either are in a relationship where the husband is all in, he's like, yo, let's do this. Like, I'm about us building an empire together. And then you also have women who deal with their husbands or significant others or in a relationship with someone who doesn't get it. Right. And so when you don't get it, you don't get it. You don't get it. You don't get it. You don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so I want to take this time to really delve into one, who you are and how you have progressed through um, the different works that you've done. But then the second half of the show, we're going to dedicate it to the relationship relationship. and how do you manage um, the relationship on and off mic. All okay. Right. All right. So to get started, let's talk about what was like what was life like for Terry before 2012? Mm, thinking back before 2012, what was I even doing in 2012? Because that's before you met your husband. That's right? before I met him. I didn't meet him until 2014. Mm-hmm. So in 2012, I was in a weird space um, in my corporate world. I'm really from the corporate life. Mm-hmm. I got thrown into entrepreneurship later. Mm-hmm. Right. And so in 2012, I was trying to make a decision whether to stay where I was. I was already leading a law firm of, uh, for benefits in Washington, D.C. And I had been heavily sought after after this place where I am now. And so I was very happy where I was. Um, I was able to do what I wanted. My team was good. My staff were wonderful. And I said, I don't want to do this. So I continued to say no all throughout the summer of 2012. But they just continued to pursue me and threw all kinds of things at me. I mean, all kinds of things, right? (laughs) And I was like, I have daughters who got I got to put through college. Mm -hmm. So I did that. I made a made a huge transition to become the director of global benefits for a a large firm that I had. I've never worked for a firm this large, and I've never overseen um, international benefits the manner in which I do now. So we have offices in Shanghai, places that are really really cool that I had never gotten an opportunity to go to until I became the director of benefits. So in 2012, it was just transitioning from one place to another and entering into that unknown territory. You know, these people don't know me, but they came after me. So they know enough about me to know um, that they wanted me. And so it was scary, but exciting at the same time. So I moved like you know, really fast in this new law firm and because law firms are very fast paced environments. And um, so I spent the rest of 2012 settling into my new home there and um, putting my my daughters, one of them was just entering college. The other one was getting ready for college. They're back to back. And um, it was just a very challenging time for me. So now, when it comes to benefits, a lot of our listeners are women entrepreneurs, what is that? <laughs> right? And so, 
you know, from what you've learned in, in the work that you do, especially internationally beyond borders, um, what are some key things that women entrepreneurs should be mindful of when they're onboarding new employees? Um, well, one thing I help my sister with this a lot. She's an entrepreneur and I always tell her, be mindful of um, certain laws and regulations. When you have more than a certain number of people under you, mm-hmm. there are certain things you have to abide by from, you know, from an HR benefits falls under HR, human mm-hmm. resources. So just I wanted to be clear about that. And, um, you know, I help people understand when they're building their own businesses, the things that you need to, you know, look out for so that you're not violating any HR laws. Mm-hmm. If you have more than 50 employees, you have to offer certain things. You have to make sure that they are protected under FEMLA, FMLA, things like that, things Mm -hmm. that people don't know. And when you start your business and it starts to grow and you're getting to be more than 50 people under you, these are things that even entrepreneurs are going to have to consider. Now, I find that a lot of entrepreneurs deal with having freelancers that are quote unquote freelancers or contractors, but you func- they're functioning in the role of an employee. That's how you get around, though, having to abide by a lot of that. <laughs> I mean, that's just being honest. And, mm-hmm. and that's smart. Mm-hmm. You know, um, freelancers and contractors usually, to me, they usually cost more. Mm-hmm. But then you weigh it out. If you didn't pay them what they are worth, you'd have to pay an employee. Mm-hmm. And then you'd have to tack on some benefits that you may not have been anticipating to pay. So it, it sometimes it's a wash. But I think that that's a way for people to get around some of the laws, because if you're a freelancer or a contractor, then you're technically not my employee Mm -hmm. and you don't have to abide by the same rules. But you have to be mindful that you make it very clear. Mm -hmm. You do. That they're a contractor. <laughs> that and is not very true. An employee. Yeah, that's that gray area stuff. Mm-hmm. And yes, you do. I, I always encourage people to be clear about that. Be transparent. Now, what are some of the things, and not to get too far into that role of your life, but like, what are some of the things that uh, are variables? Like, I know, for instance, like if they're using your equipment, that's mm. looked at as like, oh, this is an employee versus a contractor who is expected to provide their own computer and, you know, software and things like that. So, and that's that's a very good example. You know, you're using the equipment and, and you also have to be careful about um, having contractors and freelancers abide by the same, let's say, um, employment rules as your regular employees, mm-hmm. because then you get it. Then a freelancer could say, well, wait a minute, you've been treating me and as making an me fo- as an employee and you've been having me follow by the same rules as an employee. Mm-hmm. So I'm an employee, you know, mm-hmm. and they could challenge that. Some people have done that. Mm-hmm. So you have to be very careful in how you handle those types of things when you're in you're on your out there on your own. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I've always seen a lot of employers um, kind of struggle with mm-hmm. because they're like, oh, I'm bringing you on as an employee, but I want to regulate and rule how you do business with our organization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh-huh. okay. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. See, you know, <laughs> you know. Now, you've been doing this for um, a number of years. Like, you've been director for six years at the existing at this company. One. And then prior to that, I managed benefits for another law firm for about 10 years. Mm -hmm. And then prior to that, I've been in law firms for the last 22 years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, prior to that, just just to really quickly let you know that I try to encourage women to do what they feel in their gut. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? I was a financial analyst. I was very good at it. But that wasn't in my insides. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I knew that I was a people person. Mm -hmm. I took a huge pay cut back 20-some years ago to say, you know what? I'm going to follow what I know is inside of me, Mm -hmm. not what I'm good at. I'm good at this financial analyst stuff, and I make a lot of money, but that wasn't what was important to me. Mm -hmm. And so I I made that transition 20-some-odd years ago and went from that 
totally to taking any, I took an entry level position in human resources. And so I tell people all the time that don't look at that as something bad, Mm -hmm. you know, look at that as you're putting yourself on the path to where you feel and what you know, and what God has told you, you are going to be. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that requires a complete change like what I did. And sometimes it requires understanding that money isn't everything. You take less and then you get more on the back end. And that's actually like the perfect lead in because my question was, where did your desire to work in this industry derive? That's where it came from, because I went to school for communication studies and then I just landed a job back then because I started a family early. So Mm -hmm. I had my daughters early. I was, you know, a married lady at 22 having babies that early. So I took a job that would support, help support my family and that I was good at, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't what I went to school for. It wasn't what was in my heart. Mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to work with people. I knew I wanted to help people in some kind of way. And I said, you know what? Communication, human resources, it all kinds goes together. And I went, I went for it. Yeah. Now, what would you say to the women? Because you're not the only one that has been in that predicament where you're like, okay, I need to pay the bills. Right. Forget this passion. And I hear all these motivational speakers talking about, you know, profit meets passion. But at the end of the day, you got bills to get paid. You got bills to get paid. And that's a struggle. But I'm a firm believer. I believe that God will make a way for me. And so if you believe, like, I, I mean, everyone have different beliefs, mm-hmm. but I really just believe that, you know what, I'm probably going to struggle. And I did. My, we didn't have furniture for a while and we were fine. I had little kitchen table things, a little tray things, and we managed just fine while I was going through that transition. Mm-hmm. And we turned out fine. And you just have to believe in yourself and keep going and, and not give up. And that's what I was determined to do. I said, you know what, I'm going to do this because I know it's what's best for me in the long run, but you have to be willing to take that hit initially. Now, how did you grow up? Because, and I'm asking that because you had children at the time that you went through this transition. And a lot of time when you have children, when you're going through that transition, you feel guilty. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you were given everything, like, so actually before when you I go say how I grew up, how did like, you grow up? Like as a child? Your, how, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I grew up. I grew up in what people consider now the hood, but <laughs> in a suburban family setting. So, yes, my parents lived in the hood, but they had a suburban mindset. Mm-hmm. And so it was my sister and I. I had both of my parents. They both worked very hard and did what they could do for us as much as possible. So, you know, I didn't I wasn't I can't say my story is that, you know, we were really we struggled and we didn't have a lot. Mm-hmm. That wasn't my story. My parents did do everything that they could during those times and um I grew up normal in the hood, but, you know, strict rules with parents that had a suburban country mindset. mindset. Mm-hmm. But you had both parents. I did. I had so both parents. What I've recognized um as of lately, is that a lot of moms who are single moms who are in this transitional state and they recognize, like, I don't have everything that I had as a child Mm -hmm. because I'm either lacking the parent or I don't have all of the monetary resources of things that I hope to be able to provide for my children that you take on this guilt factor of like, okay, yeah, we're okay, we're making do. But really, how were you coping with being a single mom with your children and recognizing like, this is not what I projected for my life. <laughs> yeah. And not only was I, I was actually going through a divorce during mm-hmm. that time because I got I married my high school sweetheart. Mm-hmm. And so I had we had children right away. And I was the primary uh, breadwinner, mm-hmm. for lack of better words. Right. And so not only was I putting myself in a situation with my finances, also personally, because I said to myself, if I'm going to do this, I may as well get rid of the dead weight <laughs> too, and just start at the bottom, you know? Um, and, you know, so I, tr- I was going through a divorce with their dad and becoming a single mom for the first time, something I had never seen how to do because my parents are still together 54 years now. So yeah, isn't that cool? I'd never seen anyone do this close to me. So I didn't know really what to do. Mm -hmm. But again, I had a strong support system. My parents lived like 15 minutes away. So um, I felt guilty a lot with the girls, but not so much sometimes because 
of my parents. My parents really, really helped me. My mom gave me an old hoopty car. She's like, listen, don't, you can let that car go because once the husband left, a lot of other things I had to let go because I'm by myself now. Mm-hmm. And um, they gave me a car that as long as it starts up, it didn't have air conditioning. I didn't care. My daughters and I, we still made it. And mm-hmm. I just continued to just press, press, press. And I did start relationships with other single moms. I did start, I started trying to meet meet friends mm-hmm. that were in a similar situation mm-hmm. just to have people to like bounce off with, you know, and, and have ideas of like-minded women during that time of life. You know, I'm 23. Now I've got two kids, no husband. I have this mortgage and I'm transitioning jobs. Mm. It was tough. Mm. It was really, really tough. And then added on to that, you have the negative connotation or thoughts of other people. That's bad. And that was one of the biggest things for me because I had pride, you know, and I just was like, now they're going to see me as this single mom with two daughters. Where's your husband? Your parents didn't raise you that way. And it, it was just, it was just really, really tough for me because again, I hadn't, that wasn't what I planned. Mm-hmm. In my mind, I was going to do like what my parents did. Mm-hmm. I was going to marry him and, and raise these kids and have like four more. And <laughs> four more. I always want, in my senior will, I said, he and I are going to get married. So that part came true. And I said, we're going to have six kids. That part didn't come true because after two, it was a debacle. Um, it's it's tough when you get married at 22 years old. And mm-hmm. it's just really hard, especially for a guy. A guy that age is just not, in my opinion, most times it's just not ready for kids, house, wife, and commitment. Now, let's fast forward to 2014. Fast forward, yeah. Fast forward. 2014, you <laughs> on Facebook. Yes, um, 2014. Now, I, I, you know, again, between what we just talked about in 2014, I even acquired another husband. I'm very transparent about my life. Another because, hundred. I ain't seen yes. this nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm very transparent because a lot of women come to me now and say, okay, wait a minute. You've had, you got three husbands and I haven't had none. What is the, what is you going on? You not me. But listen, yeah, I had um, along the way. I I did get married again. Okay, because so I what year was this? I got married again in two thousand six. Was it two thousand six? Two thousand six. Okay, I got married again to a great man. He's still a great man. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a son, who my son you met, um, mm-hmm. and that situation didn't work either. So then I started thinking, well, we're not at at that part again. But then I thought, started thinking, what in the world is wrong with? Terry. Well, how long were y'all married? The second one. The second one, six years. The first one, six years. <laughs> six, six. Okay, God. God. Three sixes. We can't have We got to keep staying longer <laughs> than six years. <laughs> can't have triple sixes. Now, the third time's a charm. In 2014, I was, um, I was very happy with my career. Um, I was soaring in the law firm, you know, doing very well. I had built a team of of people who were, uh, my staff are phenomenal. And um, I was good. I was, you know, I had gone through that divorce from my second husband and my girls were in college. So things were kind of like really good. And I had just reached a point. Wait, before we wait, go there. Okay. What do you think was wrong in both of those relationships? Two different things. In the first relationship, what I feel was wrong was just a bad decision. It was someone that I met in high school, and I felt like, you know what? I don't want anyone else to have him. So he's mine, and I want to marry him. And it was just, to me, the wrong decision for the wrong reasons. And I and that's, that's really how I sum it up. Mm-hmm. Um, the second time, I actually did something that my mom and my aunt Mildred said, find you a man who loves you more than, than you, you love, love him. him. <laughs> okay, I was like, audience, if y'all haven't heard that before. <laughs> and I said, oh, okay, well, why? And they both said, because when you really love him so much more than maybe he loves you, um, you, you endure a lot more stress and heartache and pain. And I said, okay, well, I've already done a lot of that. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to do that anymore. So I'm going to listen to these older women who've been married for forever to their right. spouses. And I did that. I married someone who's a great person, very nice. 
But I didn't have that. You know how women, we ain't do it I for have you. that feeling. He ain't do it for mm-hmm. you. But it was a nice person. So I was like, this is a person I could have more. I could finish having the rest of the kids that I had planned to have. I wanted four more. And um, I realized, you know, I said, I'm a good person. And I don't think that he deserves to go forever with someone who's not as into him as they should be. Mm-hmm. And I actually wanted to have that feeling. And I said, for the second half of my life, I'm not going to settle anymore. Mm-hmm. I'll just not have anyone until that happens for me, until mm-hmm. God sends the right person to me. And so we had an amicable divorce. Well, it wasn't amicable in the beginning. He was, you know, not happy. In his feelings. Yeah. yeah. But amicable after, you know, understanding, you know what, hey, I actually appreciate you doing I what want you, you did. better. Yeah, and I wanted him to have happiness, and he does have that now. We're just like, we're actually going to plan to do a, some sort of like a, um, maybe a symposium. The, his wife and me um, next year are planning to do something to, sh- to show people how you do this blended family thing the right way. Mm-hmm. She and I are super close. My husband and my ex-husband are super close. Mm-hmm. We do birthday parties together as one big happy family. People think it's weird, but... Um, it's great. Mm-hmm. It's actually really great. So, mm-hmm. so that's the middle stuff. Mm-hmm. And you say fast forward to 2014. Okay. So 20, 2006, we marry Mr. Wonderful. Just no butterflies. Mm-hmm. Then, so yeah, 2012, we got divorced. So that's what else happened in two. I knew it was something going else going on in 2012. I was transitioning a lot of stuff. So yeah, um, we divorced. Mm-hmm. And then um, for two years, I really took a hiatus from, from, from it all. I mm-hmm. just decided to throw myself into my kids were in college I have a son and I don't really care about I've had two husbands I don't care about that anymore Mm -hmm. and I was really good with that but I in my mind I said I'm never going to give up on love so if it does come Mm -hmm. I'm going to be I'm going to receive it Mm -hmm. because I just love love Mm -hmm. and so yeah on 2014 I'm just on Facebook looking and you know how Facebook sends you these things oh you should Suggest this friend or something like that mm-hmm. because we had like 30 some Mutual friends. friends. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I don't know this guy, but he looks familiar. So I just clicked on. I was being a little, you know, nosy. And <laughs> I clicked and I said, no, I don't know him, but he knows a lot of my friends. He must have, he must be from this area. And so I saw that he had written, published a book. He authored a book about his life, Transformation of a Gangster. That intrigued me. I mean, I was like, mm. he used to be a gangster. <laughs> But now he's not. <laughs> and I, I I sent him an inbox, not flirting, but just saying, because I love seeing black men do positive things, mm-hmm. especially if they were about in that bad life back in the day. And mm-hmm. so... I read the, what is the front part of books that you read and kind of, or is it, it tells you a little bit about the it. The prelude. I, mm-hmm. That. Or preface. Mm-hmm. I said, wow, I'm just going to tell him, I'm really proud of you. Whoever you are, I'm really proud that you have done this. And I'm going to buy this book. Hold on. So when you first saw his picture, what you think? I thought he was handsome. I said. And then so when you messaged him, what you think? I thought to myself, well, you know, he's looking at me. Yeah. He ain't looking. He's kind of cute. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to send him a message about this book. And maybe he'll, you know, start some conversation. I really did think that. I didn't think much more after that because I saw that he didn't live in this area. Okay. And I'm not. Because that's when he was in Atlanta. Yeah. I'm okay. not really into that. Because I'm too like, I want to. Yeah. I want to see each I wanna other. I want to be close. Yeah. I want to be close. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that part wouldn't work for me. But mm-hmm. maybe it'll be somebody, you know, because he's from this area. I started reading and being nosy. And I was like, he's from this area. <laughs> so maybe it's someone I could be friends with. I could go to Atlanta and be like, hey, how you doing? Mm-hmm. And so I inboxed him and just I kept it very simple and just said, you know, I saw you. You wrote a book. I saw you're from this area. We know a lot of mutual friends. And I wanted to say congratulations. I'm going to purchase your book and and read it. And I think that's pretty much, I kept the uh, screenshots because we always debate about this so I can have proof. <laughs> I kept screenshots. And he said, hey, cutie, uh, your profile picture is cute. Do you have a man? That's exactly how he came back. <laughs> <laughs> he was just right to it. And I said, no, I don't. I'm at a wedding, blah, blah, blah. And he and and we just continued to go back and forth. Mm -hmm. And seven months later, we had our first date. We talked for seven months. We never saw each other. We never went on a date. We just talked and FaceTimed every day for seven whole months and became super close, like best friends over the phone and over FaceTime. Mm -hmm. And we had our first date in Atlanta seven months after that. 
I, he flew me down there and we had a date at the Waffle House. That was our first Wait a date. second. Yep. It took him seven months to fly you to Atlanta <laughs> to take you to the Waffle House. And that's where I wanted to go because we don't have a Waffle House in this area. <laughs> and when he picked me up from the airport, he said, where you want to go? I said, I want to go to the Waffle House. He said, what? <laughs> he said, that is ghetto. And I said, no, that's what you ask. What I want. That's what I want. Mm-hmm. I'm a very simple girl. And I did. That's what I wanted. And we went to the Waffle House. We had a, the best time ever. And I, I stayed the entire weekend. And when I went home, I told my girlfriend, I said, that's going to be my husband. I said, he's going to be my husband. And I said that and we continued to date and he eventually moved here. And we, the blending of the family was super, super difficult. My daughters were in college and they did not, they were not feeling that. They were like, who is him? Who is he? And when is he going home? So that part was very, very hard. Well, we're going to get to that part. We can get to that. But so he... um, Essentially, it flew you down. You had this wonderful day. You stayed there for the weekend. Mm-hmm. You came back home and was like, oh, yeah, that's mine right That's there. my husband. That, that's mm-hmm. me. And so what was the conviction around him being the next husband? Well, I had never dated someone without um, having... Uh, I guess, close relations Mm -hmm. for seven months. Like, I've never done that before. Mm -hmm. I had grew to, to be honest, I fell in love with the phone. Like, we talked every day for seven months straight. And I grew to like him as a person and as a friend. I was like, he is really my best friend. So even if I get off of this airplane and he's like, what is that show, Catfish or something? (laughs) Like, if he... (laughs) So when I first saw him... He was short. Well, he is short. You've seen my husband. He's short. So I was just like, he he wasn't truthful about that. He said in his book he was 5'8 or something. And so I was a little taken aback because I had on heels. You see, I have on these heels. But you know what? I said, seven months, Terry, you have fallen in love with this guy. Are you really going to let your shallowness about his height, you know, uh, deter you and when I got in that car it was just like I mean it was just magic to me like I forgot all about all of that kind of stuff so and at the end of the day that never even mattered to me it did I, I did look at it initially but then after I was like you know what I don't care about that and he didn't care he said I don't care I don't I love taller women and and you ain't that tall, and with, right? And I ain't that tall. So with sh- with with my shoes off, he's taller than me. <laughs> That's what matters. <laughs> That's what matters. <laughs> All right. So you had children. Mm-hmm. Did he have children? He has one son. Okay. Yes, he has one son who's still in Atlanta. Okay. So that you know, blending his son hasn't come into the equation because he's not here. Now, how important? Is it to have a sound understanding of what's acceptable to you and what's acceptable to your partner when it comes to blending a family? Oh, it's, oh gosh. It's very important. Um, but I will say for us, it was very difficult because we have completely different backgrounds. We raise kids or our, ph- our f- philosophies on how to raise children were very different. Mm -hmm. And although my daughters were in college, so he was kind of like, well, you know, you've already, damage is done. You've spoiled spoiled them to death. You've made them have entitlement, blah, blah, blah. He still wanted to be instrumental with helping me raise my son. And I appreciate that because I don't know how to teach a boy all boy things. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, although my son has a great relationship with his dad, in our household, I knew Stan was going to have to be able to be influential. Mm -hmm. So... I actually had to be that woman to bend. Hmm. I had to let go of some of my things. Meaning, control. Yeah, I had to let go some of my control and allow him to, you know, to be the to man lead. to lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that was extremely hard for me. And I believe that'll be hard for any woman who is a boss who makes a certain amount of money and who's been doing things on her own like I was for, you know, for a long time. Mm-hmm. Very hard. And that's that's where the complexity came in for Stan, for me and Stan and my family. But we're on the other side now and it's amazing. Well, how did you withstand it? Like how did you make it to the other side? Um 
I, again, along with me bending a lot, it required me to do some things behind the scenes. And what I mean by that is I wouldn't share with him some of the difficulties that I was having with the girls and with David and the difficulties that they would share with me about him. Mm-hmm. I, would, I wouldn't tell him because it would have ran him away. Mm-hmm. He would have been like, forget you and your three kids. Mm-hmm. I kept it to myself. So I had a lot of turmoil internally, but I felt like I knew God kept saying, you're going to get, y'all going to get through this. You're going to get to the other side. Just push through. And I did the same thing on his side. A lot of things that he would say about, you need to do this and you need to do that. You need to tell them this. I wouldn't say that to them. I wouldn't tell them. So I kind of shielded him from them and (laughs) them from him. But what shielded you? Nothing. I just, I, I really, when I say nothing, I just really held on to my belief that, the love that he had for me and and vice versa and the love I had for my children and vice versa, I believed that it was just going to work. And so I went through the turmoil and I didn't have anything shielding me at all. And I didn't talk to other people about it because I didn't feel like getting all of the opinions and mm-hmm. inputs of others because everyone has their own different. And most and people would have been like, well, those are your kids and you do what you want with your kids. It's not that simple, though, when you're trying to incorporate a great man into your life. It's just mm-hmm. not. So I dealt with it internally and it was a struggle for me. Um, just on, I felt like I was on an island by myself throughout that process. I just believe, though, I just believe that my my children want to see me happy. Stan wants to be with me, and he wants it to work as well. So I just continue to believe that if I stay course, stay the course and stay firm with, you know, certain things I'm going to bend on, certain things maybe not so much, mm-hmm. I just pressed on. Wow. Now, this has yeah. been awesome. Um, <laughs> now... We're going to actually get ready for a break because I'm sure it's about about time. But y'all stay with us. Uh, When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Miss Terry Long. And right now we are going to go straight into some tech talk. Stay with us. It's time to get techie with Tech Talk this week. We have Miss Jalisa Johnson in studio with us, and she is going to share with us something about what? What is it? The QR? QR scan codes. All right. What's this? So QR scanning is the way of the world. Everything today you can scan and move and, and, and never have to pull out a credit card, never have to use your driver's license, never have to use um, even going to the doctor. Today's technology is going to the QR. Today's technology is going to the QR scan code. Now, like, how do we use it? I mean, I'm used to seeing like a, a QR code reader, like if, you know, if it's on the back of a book or it's on a shirt telling you, hey, scan here to and I'll direct you somewhere. But how does it work if you're inputting your credit card information or like? Well, it's actually taken and in inputting your credit card information. So you're not putting in your credit card information. It is scanning your credit card information and storing it mm-hmm. and utilizing it for different apps like uh, Apple Pay for um, PayPal, mm-hmm. for uh, Cash App. It okay, is- so the QR scan code, is it different than like a QR code that you would you know utilize like the QR code reader for? Like, is there a particular app or like, what do I put in to acquire this QR scan code or is, am I all the way off? No, you're, you're right. So if you go into any application, if you're looking for the application, there are multiple QR scanners. So that's what it really is, is a scanner. So you need to have the scanner on your phone in order to use those services. And what am I scanning? You're scanning your credit card. You're scanning your. So it stores license. it in my phone. It stores it in your phone. So okay. So but I'm it sc- also allows you to pull up information. So if I have a QR scanner and I go into a store and I want to buy a book, mm-hmm. I can use that scanner to purchase that book. It will purchase the book right there. When you walk into Giant, Giant mm-hmm. has these big QR scanners now in the supermarket right. that you can go and you can shop for your groceries using this QR scanner. Mm-hmm. When you get to the register, you put your QR scanner on your phone up to it and it takes the money off and you can bag your groceries and walk out the grocery store. Amazon uses it. Health Informatic applications are using it today. Um uh, doctor's offices are using it today. And as consultants, we can also use it for billing, for um, taking and receiving funds. So instead of necessarily using applications like Cash App, I can now send you a QR code that you can scan and pay me. 
Now, would the other person just have to have a QR code reader? Scanner. Scanner. Or reader. So okay. as a business owner, I'm going to have a scanner. Okay. Because I want to be able to take your information and you pay me. So I would send you a QR code. You would scan it also, and it would also transfer my funds. It would tell you what you're transferring and for what. So now, it's is a there service. A, now, is it a transfer fee involved in this? No. Okay, so depending like, on the depending on the service you attach to it. So if mm-hmm. I attach Apple Pay, it is whatever Apple Pay uses right. in their transaction fees. Oh, okay. So it's not just like I put up a QR code reader on, let's say, a a media kit, and you scan it to buy the book right then and there, where the transaction happens. You actually still have to have a third party take the money. It depends on how you have it set up. If you're a developer, obviously you can set it up that you can have your own. Are you a developer? Gateway. I am a developer, so, so I would develop my me? own gateway. Yes. Okay. All right. Awesome. Well, hopefully we didn't confuse y'all too much with the QR scanner, um, but I think that is a great way for you to store um, your credit card information or other information so that you can communicate with other devices um, and just kind of make your life a little simpler. All right. Well, that's this week's Tech Talk, and we hope that it was beneficial. Learn more at WBBTalk.com. Welcome back to the Woman Behind the Business Talk Show. I'm your host, Angel Livis, and we are continuing our conversation with Miss Terry Long, the host and woman behind Spotlight Over the City. Now, before we went to break, we were talking about the blended family. We were talking about her journey throughout entrepreneurship. Now we are going to talk about how she met her husband and entered the world of entertainment. So, Terry, when you first met your husband, how did you feel about his brand and his image since he was all about transforming from the dangerous streets of D.C. into a God-fearing, loving man who is now a father, husband, proclaimed author, motivational speaker, real estate investor, and talk show host? I was actually, that was one of the things that really intrigued me about him. Like, you used to be this gangster type guy, and now you're all of these, you know, wonderful things. And he was doing Spotlight Over the City in Atlanta when I met him. And he had a co-host, Robin. And so I started watching his shows and started even, you know, like having googly eyes, you know, just on my computer, like, oh, wow, that is so cool. You know, they would interview nice, you know, entertainment people down in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And so when he decided to when we decided to be together, 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 I said, I'm not moving. So that's where I wasn't budging. I said, I'm not moving. My parents are here. My children are here. I'm not moving my children away from their fathers. Mm -hmm. All of my children are very close with their biological dad. And I said, I'm not doing that. So he moved here. He said, what about Spotlight Over the City? And I said, I mean, D.C. is a a big kind of big market for something like Mm -hmm. that. We could you could try it here. And that's what happened. So he moved here. And um, um, it was, you know, it's hard for him to kind of like get his feet on the ground gotcha. here. He hadn't been here in over 20 years. He hadn't lived here. He grew up here, but he moved away to get away from that life he had. Mm-hmm. And so um, I didn't know how to help him with that because I'm in the corporate world. I didn't know what to do. And I didn't kind of stood back and he started using social media. He started saying, listen, is there anyone out there who knows could help me find a co-host? Uh, and, and he started putting it out there and he found himself a, a, a f- wonderful co-host, Dana. And they started their show here in D.C., Spotlight Over the City. And it wasn't me. I wasn't involved. All I used to do was watch and support my <laughs> man. Be like, yes, honey, great show. <laughs> great show. Um, a year went by and Dana started getting a lot of other opportunities and started missing a lot of shows. And she just was, you know, very honest with Stan and said, listen, I'm not going to be able to continue to do this. And he was stuck. He was just like, I need another co-host. And I was like, oh, I don't don't know what you're going to (laughs) do. And he said, can you just fill in just a couple weeks until I figure this out? Mm -hmm. And I did. I didn't want to because I felt like I'm emotional. If we're going to be mad at each other on a Wednesday or Thursday, I'm not going to be able to do your, do this. <laughs> and I can't hide it. Mm-hmm. And um, I tried it for a couple weeks. His ratings went up. People were like, where's your wife? Where's your wife? Because he allowed me to just be yeah. me. Mm-hmm. And um, that's how I got into Spotlight Over the City. It wasn't my dream. It wasn't my passion. But the one thing I will say is I looked back on something when I first started the law firm, they did this little exercise and asked, you know, like if you could have any fun job you wanted, what would it be? And I said, I would be like Wendy Williams. 
And I look back at that and I said, well, I did say that. <laughs> I put it out there in the universe like right. six years ago when I started at the law firm. And then here I am sitting there with him and he stopped looking for a co-host. He said, I'm not going to keep looking for a co-host. They want you. Mm-hmm. And I said, OK. And I started loving it. And then I asked him, well, what is your vision for this spotlight over the city? And he told me, and I said, well, this ain't it. This is, <laughs> <laughs> and if I'm going to be in it, I have to be in it, in it. And I want to make it the way, Impactful. yes. Mm-hmm. And so I started, you know, producing. I didn't even know what producing meant. He said, do you know that you're producing it? And I said, what does that mean? And he said, every Wednesday you're at the computer and you're getting segments together. You're getting your news clips. And I said, okay, well then that's what I'm doing. And I started doing that. I started reaching for different guests, quality guests that I thought would be at value to Spotlight Over the City. I started reaching out to different events saying, hey, Spotlight Over the City, we can come out and cover your event. We knew I knew I had to make an investment, meaning we would cover events for free. Mm-hmm. We cover it, send our camera crew and do all this fun stuff and send you this and for free because we're, we're building our brand. Mm-hmm. And um now he, if you let him tell her, he's like, my wife has taken over Spotlight. My, this is my show, but she took over. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm ready to leave the corporate life. Um, it's not time for that yet mm-hmm. because Spotlight Over City is still growing. But I could see myself just doing it full time. I love it. That I is really so love it. Awesome. I love it. I really do. And I can't believe that this is where I am. That I'm actually, you know, the host of Spotlight Over the City with my husband, and. Um, we are like night and day, you know, um, he's the person on the show who's more serious and I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm the person who has to do all, they bleep me out all the time, you know, <laughs> bleep, bleep. <laughs> and he's like, but that is, a, that is um, our audience. They love that. Mm-hmm. They love all of that. They're looking forward to what is she going to say this week? What is Terry going to say? And so it has been a huge blessing, actually, for me. Spotlight Over the City has really been a blessing. Now, one of the things that you mentioned earlier is that you were like, yo, if I'm not feeling you on Wednesday and I got to go on air with you Thursday, I don't know how I'm at. Honey, and it has happened. So how do you, what happens? Like, what is that process like? That process is, you know, there there have been Wednesdays where we will get into, you know, married life is, is can be real. that way. It's real. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, you know, on Thursday, I'm just like, oh, my God, I got to go do this show with him. And because Spotlight Over the City has become my heart, I refuse to allow my emotions to to, you know, to mess it up. Mm -hmm. And so I pull myself together on Thursdays and when we ride together. So in the car, you know, I'm looking out the window (laughs) And he's like, you know, you know, we have to do this show. And I said, I'll be fine. When we get in the studio, I'll be fine. And and by the time I get there, my whole spotlight over the city aura comes on. And by the time we get off the set, I'm back his friend. And I've really literally this show helps merge us together again. Mm -hmm. It really does. So if we have an argument or disagreement before the show, I am in my feelings and not talking up until that point. And when it's showtime. It's all good. And when it's over, we hug and we be like, great show, honey. And I don't need most times we don't even talk about what we were mad about. Now, has it ever been a time where you've irritated him on Wednesday or Thursday morning? Oh, yeah. And then he has to show up. He does, does but he's not emotional at all. So he's he's mad and irritated at me. But he he gets in the car and acts like we're friends, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm like. Mm, you're supposed to be mad at me, but he's not emotional, mm-hmm. not in that way. Mm-hmm. And so he can keep going he and act like, yeah, it. he rolls with it. Yeah. So what would you say is the hardest part of working alongside your partner? Um, the hardest part is that Stan and I, um, again, we have different backgrounds and I come from the corporate side. So a lot of my corporate business sense comes into play at Spotlight Older City. So he says, you know, you act like I work for you. And I'm like a slave driver. I'm just like, did you do that? Did you make? Did you call that person back? Or if someone emails us, I have a 24-hour response turnaround time. I believe in those types of things. He's more of a laid back, like, I mean, this is my show. I'm the CEO. I'll get back to them, you know, when I get back to them tomorrow. And I was like, no, we got to do it now. Now, I'm a now, now, now person. Mm-hmm. And it's hard because he really is the boss at the end of the day. He's the CEO. It is his company. Mm-hmm. And he has incorporated me. But- 
we clash because of those types of things. And because at the end of the day, I am not the boss and I am the boss at where I am during the day. I am the boss. I am. And when you get back in that house, you the boss. So, <laughs> and that's yeah, that's the biggest challenge. And we don't see things the same when it comes to certain things like reviewing contracts and stuff. You know, I'm a little bit more. You know, give a little bit here. You know, give and give and take a little bit more here. And he's like, you know, he's much more like, no, you know, we we got to be for spotlight first and then let them, you know, come in with some da 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 and we'll say yes or no. Um, so we, we clash a lot on that. So we've decided that in certain aspects of spotlight over the city, he will relinquish control to me. The mm-hmm. things that I've been really good at. Mm-hmm. And then on the things like, you know, contract negotiations and stuff, I'm going to let he's going to be the boss on that. Mm-hmm. And that way we won't keep clashing. We just came to this realization the other day, <laughs> actually, because we're moving studios. And so we're going through contracts and stuff. So we decided now that we're going to start new at a new studio, we're going to say Terry is in charge of these things and Stan is in charge of these things. And we'll, you know, we'll kind of like get each other's input or not. But I think that'll work better for us. Now, when you say that, you know, he's the CEO of it, is it like equal shares or is it just like, this is mine. It was mine before I had you like kind of sort of. But when we when we um, established the the company here in the DMV and and registered the business, that's when he said, you know what, I want, I'm going to make you COO. So I want you to be my partner in it. Mm-hmm. And um on, you know, he decided that, you know, Spotlight Over City is ours now, but that he will pull that. It's my company. It's I'm the CEO. He will pull that card every now and then. <laughs> Stan, I hope you listening. You can't keep pulling that card. She he helping will, you build this baby. He will pull that card every now and then. He will. So, OK, we talked about managing real, um, emotions. We talked about working alongside your partner. What are the pros? To working oh, outside, alongside the, your, your the husband. pros are that you know um, we get to show people our internal selves. We get to show people um, who we are as a couple. We 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 play that out on the show a lot, and that's where you know the show has grown the most. You're like we actually are candid sometimes about you know why I still have Tupperware from 1993 and he can't stand it, and you know we get to display our family lives on the show. And um, that's really, it's been really great. And it helps us as a couple because a lot of times when we go through things, we'll at me, I'll actually put it out there and be like, and he said, and he did this. And then we'll have our viewers and our listeners saying, well, what, you know, giving us other insight perspectives Mm -hmm. and we go through every single comment, even if we can't do it on the show, we do it after the show. And sometimes he'll be like, you know what? I, I listened to some of those comments and they were right and I was wrong, you know, and it kind of does help us. Mm-hmm. It really does. And we're very transparent, probably too much sometimes. Now, with your husband, do you ever feel like it's too much? Like, you know, we're at home together. We're doing this show together. We're trying to build this business together. Like, I just need a break. Yes, I feel like that a lot. Um, we're not at home together all day. One of the biggest challenges for me and Stan is that I am of uh, 10 hours of my life is in the corporate world. Mm. And I talk to people all day long, right? And so when I get home, I don't want to talk. Mm. He does. You know, he has a different lifestyle set up at home, though. He's not talking to people all day. And so that's that's another clash that we have because we're not both entrepreneurs, full-time entrepreneurs, I believe, if we were it might work a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a that's that's something that's kind of difficult for us as well. And I work through it. We have a, have a schedule. I get home and I say, give me 20 minutes. Give me 20 minutes. And then I turn it on and, you know, we're talking again or we're talking about Spotlight Over the City. But Stan doesn't want to do Spotlight Over the City on our personal time. And I do. <laughs> I'm constantly like, look, we got to do this. He said, listen, that's my time. They, right. <laughs> That's his time. So I'm having a hard time. And I could benefit by talking to other women in similar situations to help me understand how do they do it? How do you how do you have a husband if you're in corporate world and you have a husband in entrepreneurship? How does how do you balance that? You know, like how does that work for other women? I would love like a 
a support group for something like that. Girl, you gotta come to my behind the business yes. retreat. Okay, yes. <laughs> All right. So we have to get ready to close okay. out this segment and we are gonna get ready to move into our moments from the valley. So while you think about that, we are gonna listen to a little music. How about a little her um changes? Hmm. Nice choice. Stay with us. listen to some changes now we want to hear how god has changed and moved in your life all right well i'm going to give you all the valley moment that um i will never forget um i have always taken a lot of pride in my work i have you know i I like to consider myself having great work ethic so to actually get fired from a job that was like my career um was probably the lowest valley, um, other than, you know, I had a, a, I suffered a traumatic head injury later in 2014, but that was the lowest valley of my life because I was at a, a huge corporation. This is when I had transitioned from being a financial analyst and finally got into human resources mm-hmm. at a huge company, right? And i um, doing well. And I made the mistake of uh, trading, exchanging emails with a man that didn't work there, but saying all kinds of like vulgar stuff on email. He was like, I'm going to come down to your parking lot at your job and I'm going to do this and you're going to do that and all this old stuff. And it got the the language. And I just thought it was fine. You know, I'm, I'm still in my 20s at that time. And um, 
I got called into the chief HR's office and they had all the emails printed. And it was stuff about blowjobs and doing it in the parking lot and talking about the times that we were in that building doing things. Um, It was the most embarrassing because I had just um, I was just an entry level manager. Right. And so they said, are these these are your emails? And I couldn't lie. And I said, you know, yes. And they told me my last day was going to be X and. I had two daughters, no husband at that time, and I did not know what I was going to do because I had never imagined in my entire life that I would have, who's going to fire me? I'm good. And I was good then, but I didn't have a realization during that time that you can't do stuff like that. These are not your computers. Mm-hmm. This is the, All of this information can be seen by whomever is in the IT or whatever, I never thought about that. Mm. I was just saying all kinds of stuff, the things that we say, you know, when we talking to our man and it shouldn't, that should have never happened. And that was the lowest valley. And I just said, God, what are you trying to teach me? One, and what am I going to do? What you going to do? And um, I believe the lesson that he was trying to show me was, Terry, I'm taking you bigger places. You needed to learn this because you can never do anything like that. And since that time, Angel, I have when I'm when I'm emailing people, even if it's my personal email now, <laughs> I don't say I don't write. I'm extremely professional. So I learned a tough lesson. And um it also propelled me to to say, you know what, you got to get out there and, and and do something. And that's when I started getting into the law firm environment. I had a very difficult time finding another job um, for a while. And so um, my parents helped me. My sister helped me. I had a little bit. I, I had to file bankruptcy. That was super embarrassing for me. I had to file bankruptcy. And pretty much, you know, I, I was able to keep my home, but everything else had to go. And um, I ended up getting a job finally at a law firm who gave me a chance. And because um, they, if they call for a referral, I was like, you can't call them for a referral. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, Angel, and here I am now, you know, it was it was a huge valley. It, it was a tough lesson. And I have groomed my daughters to say, listen, even on social media, you got to be careful because if you're it, it, people see that stuff and they are going to they could judge you a certain type of way. And I want them to care. I didn't know. I just didn't even think of it because I thought I was just that good mm-hmm. that I could say what I wanted to say on a corporate email. And it was a shock to my system. I got fired. Wow. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people don't even realize that in corporate environments, baby, you don't own that email. No. It just had your name attached exactly. to it, but it belongs to the company. And I had I had a tough lesson. And so anybody who's listening, if they are in corporate, even if you're not in corporate, when you're emailing back and forth and you know, you're in a certain position, you have to be mindful of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. It's just you you do. I was flat on my tail for a while because of that. And I learned a tough lesson. Wow. But I bounced back, you know? Yeah. No, that's powerful. That that was good. That yeah. was good. And I'm sure that people can relate to it, even if not directly, they got children that they can share that testimony with. That's right. You gotta be careful about that kind of stuff. Yeah. So yeah. so thank you so much for sharing oh, that moment from the valley for, with us, yeah. Terry. And um, now, would you like to share some social media for Spotlight Over the City so people can follow the show oh, and learn more? Yeah, thank you so much. We are, um, I'm proud to share that we are moving into a, a new state-of-the-art studio starting September 5th, our first live show. And um, you all can uh, link in with Spotlight Over the City on Instagram, at Spotlight Over the City. We have a YouTube channel. It's Spotlight Over the City TV. We also on Facebook, Spotlight Over the City. We're every every social media, it's Spotlight Over the City. And that's where you can find us. We'd love to have, some, have you all join us sometime, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern. Eastern every Thursday. And during our transition period to to before we get to our new show, we'll still be doing our show live at 7 o'clock p.m. Catch us um, www.spotlightovertocity.com. Awesome. And I will be on Spotlight yes, Over the City. Yes, you will. Um, on September 19th. Yes, you will. We're excited. 7 p.m. So <laughs> make sure you all set your calendars for that. 
And I'm truly excited to be um, a guest on your show with you and, and your we hubby. are, so you know I'm excited to have you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. This is our show for today. Please be sure to check out past broadcasts on our website, wbbtalk.com. And now you can start registering for the Women Behind the Business Retreat titled Vision 2020, using scriptures to propel you to new dimensions. It's all happening on the beautiful island of Nassau, Bahamas, February 20th through 24th, 2020, at Bahama Resort in convention center to register visit wbbtalk.com backslash registration and of course follow us on social media at wbbtalk a special thank you to our show producer cal murdoch and our program director max myrick until next time stay blessed